Um, okay, so there was a, there was a few things. There, there were a few things that um, I saw. One of the very first things I saw was um, that there's a real heart inside of you for dance. And um, and I really believe that the Lord is... Um, God used dance to, to heal my heart. And, um, and as he healed me within the dance, he actually then healed people's hearts while I danced. And because I had a victory in me. And I believe that there's a dance of victory inside of you um, through the dance that you do. And so I just really want to affirm that gift inside of you. And I believe that God has called you to dance upon injustices. That um, there's a dance inside of you to see justice happen. Justice in this nation. Justice in family. Justice over um, injustices of finances. Um, injustice in um, things that need restoration. Um, that, there, that there's a real um, call in your life to see restoration and reconciliation, and um, I was reminded of a scripture, pardon me, um, of course I could just test it out, no. I'm always testing, um, it's the prayer of Jabez, and I really um, love this prayer because um, God just highlighted something to me as I was going over this scripture one day, and it says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. So he was cursed, um, basically, um, in his life, and uh, his, na- his name was cursed. He was cursed to be a pain. And Jabez called out on the God of Israel. And I paused, and I was like, he called out on the God of Israel. He didn't call out on the God of Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. You know, you see a lot of that in the Old Testament. And I'm like, the God of Israel, who's the God of Israel? I love you, Jesus. You have the throne of my heart. I worship you. And um, I started thinking about this God of Israel. And he's the God that's the cloud by day and fire by night. He's the God that parted the sea. He's the God of deliverance. He's the God of manna. He's the God that caused the shoes never to wear out. He is the God of deliverance. And that is the God he called out to. And I saw you, Fiona, calling out to this God of deliverance. And that you have inside of you a dance of deliverance. Now wait, it gets better. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. God is blessing you indeed. And enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me. He is enlarging your territory, your realm of influence, and his hand is with you. And that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. He broke the curse. He said, break the curse, God, that I would not be a pain in anybody's life. So God granted him what he requested. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Bryony, um, the Lord uh, showed me uh, an interesting uh, sequence of events for you. I saw you uh, step into a room, and when you stepped into it, it's like it became a place rather than a room. It was a place in your heart. It was a place of stillness. It was a place of waiting. And uh, it wasn't all comfortable in that because it went on. You know, I could see the, the length of the room. 
and but you stood in the presence of the Lord and you allowed God uh, to focus something in your heart. And then you walked to the other, and, and this, this, this took some time. It was like there was a space where God was holding off something. And then you walked to the other end of the room, and you and Chris stood before a drawer. It was like the drawer was in the whole wall. And the two of you took a hold of the drawer, and you pulled it out. And this was about Bryony, but you were doing it together. And you reached in, and there within the drawer were the desires of your heart. And you began to reach in together, and then this is what was so beautiful. (laughs) Chris reached in, and he took your desires out of that drawer, and he garmented you with your desires. He, it was like he wrapped a, a cloak around you, a garment around you, and it was his way of saying, God has a plan for you, and God has destiny for you and I'm a part of all of that and I'm honoring you by cloaking you in these things that are the desires of your heart and in the waiting time God focuses the desires and then there's some kind of passion that grows up on the inside in the waiting then this honoring was a very very important thing because in it there was um there was a valuing to you, but there was a release for you as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And God says for you in the drawer was armor. And God was calling you a warrior. He was, and I saw you um, uh, reach in for the armor. Brian, he put the helmet on your head. You strapped on the breastplate. You know, you were putting, it was like Roman armor. You were strapping it on. Because God says you're a man of action. You're a man of great um, trust in God and trust in the power of God that works in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. And so the two of you together are garmenting and robing each, each other so that you can walk together. You warring and, and God is speaking to, to me about um, you're entering into a time of seeing spirits in a way that you've not seen them before. And a fire comes up on the inside of you against the enemy and the destruction the enemy would uh, try to do. And I want to call this a pastoral thing. It's very pastoral because you, uh, that fire, that um, Anger that rises up is against the enemy because you don't want to see someone decimated or destroyed by what the enemy is purposing. And that's very shepherding, caring for, but it's still the work of a warrior. And so in the strength, God says, you you walk in your strength. He said to Gideon, walk in that mighty strength that you have. And you walk in your strength of who you are, armored in that that God is giving you to wear and bring deliverance everywhere you go and along the way, shepherd those along, along the way so that they're, they, um, they are nurtured as well as delivered. Sometimes people can be delivered and left, and you're not one who will bring deliverance and leave, but you will bring deliverance and then you will shepherd along and see people established. I want to just declare over you an equipper anointing. An equipper anointing. There's something in you that um, I want to call it a gift of governments. 
that you have the ability to see what should happen and what the order should be. You have ability with structure, and it's a, sort of a governmental thing. I'm not talking about the civil government. You know that. I'm talking about the government of the kingdom. And so God is going to bring that strength into you, and God is going to, he's going to put uh, like fire on your heels, fire in your feet, because you are going to go and you are going to do things that are going to take you uh, from place to place, but you're doing it together. You're doing it together. And uh, he wants all of who you each are to be valued by the other and expressed together because you're kingdom builders. You're kingdom builders. You're a fire starter, right? Yeah. He's a, uh, a, this protector equipper, but you're a fire starter. And there are going to be people with that fire in their bellies, and you're going to be releasing them into their destinies because you're going to see by the Spirit. And God has given you, I was saying this to your mom, but I know this by the Spirit of the Lord, God has given you an insight that's like a discerning of spirits. It's discerning what it is that God is doing, and then it's, it's lighting that fire and lighting the fire within this one and that one. And God says it's a very uh, broad, I'm not going to go into more details of what I think that calling is, uh, because that will come as you uh, wait and as you open that drawer and as you work this out together. God is going to bring that revelation to you. But um, it certainly is a sending uh, and an in and out type of ministry, um, and, and together you'll build. Amen? Glory to God. Who am I giving this back to you? (laughs) Thank you. What a good morning so far. I can't do that joke that we had yesterday, can I? (laughs) Yeah, that's the one. Wow. Are you ready for some meat? Yeah. I pray, Holy Spirit, for your help. I ask your help this morning. For each one of us as we look into your word. That we would receive it from you. With the mercy you intend. And the power you intend. (coughs) And the knife-like Excuse me. (coughs) Incision. (coughs) It's all this singing and shouting. (coughs) Just pray a minute and I'll settle my throat down.
That's better. The music's meant to be on, by the way. Because <coughs> I really believe that as we meditate on his word, music opens up another side of us. Not just uh, the analytical side, but the heart. <coughs> So this whole school is about going deeper with the Lord. And I pray that this morning will be an opportunity for you and I <clears throat> to say to Jesus, go deeper with me. I'm going to start by looking at how Jesus calls us to follow him. And I'd like you to imagine yourself in the scene when he called his first disciples, as if he's speaking to you. Because the whole story begins with us, doesn't it? When Jesus says to us, come, follow me. Come, follow me. In Mark 1, verse 17, Jesus says to Peter, Come, follow me. <clears throat> and so Peter and others, some not unlike you, the word says, Left everything and followed him. When I first started following Jesus, I didn't leave everything. I heard his call, and I wanted him. But I tried to drag a lot of other stuff with me. They started well because they did leave everything. They left their boats, they left their nets. They left family members. <coughs> they left their hometowns. They left their friends. They saw something in Jesus that they grabbed hold of. And they were prepared to do mad things like even leave their livelihood to follow him. They found that Jesus gave them great invitations and come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. If anybody eats this bread, they'll never hunger again. But it didn't take them long either to find that he brought great challenges into their lives. It 
it was not easy to keep up with him. It was not easy to keep hold of his coattails. Easy to start, but not easy to see it through in the following three years. So, I got, I think it's one, two, four questions for us just to look at this morning. And the first question is this What does it mean to follow Jesus? And the only way we can find out is by looking into the Word. And there's lots of places you could dip into to find an example, but I just picked out one chapter, which is, which is John chapter 6. And if you scan through John chapter 6, imagining yourself to be one of those disciples, you'll begin to get a picture a true picture of what it's like to follow Jesus. Because, you know, I think today, in churchianity, we've constructed our own version of what it's like to follow Jesus. That we can cope with. And my hope is this morning, as if we're honestly saying to the Lord, take me deeper, that we'd be prepared to look into what it's really like to follow him. So here we are in John chapter 6. One of the first things in that chapter is when Jesus asked one of the disciples, uh, where could you go to buy enough food to feed this 5,000 men plus the women and children? Deborah, but where could you go to buy enough food to feed not all of us, but 5,000 women and children and men? Yeah, well, she's at least considering how <laughs> she could do that. Yeah, and the disciple that he asked actually tried to work out how much money he would need. He wasn't resisting the question. He was cooperating with the question and going, well, it would be this amount of wages. So he, he puts before us things that seem impossible if we're really following him. But how are you going to do that then? And if you or I are not being faced with any impossible challenges by the Lord, I would suggest we're not following very closely. Because this is the sort of thing he does. Sometimes he withdrew. There he is, right with them. And then the next minute they'd look up, and he's nipped off on his own up the mountain to be with his father. Sometimes he felt distant. Sometimes he was really easy to hold on to. And you never knew when he was going to do what. 
Sometimes he sent the disciples across dark, stormy seas alone. They felt alone. Of course he knew what was happening. And they wouldn't know why they were doing it. David might not know exactly why he's come over the seas to this cold place. He's got a sense of God calling him. But Jesus is going to walk to you and meet with you, David, and see the purpose fulfilled for which you've come. But sometimes you can think, what on earth am I doing this for? I feel lost out in this sea at the moment. Where am I going? This is part of following him. Sometimes he said offensive things like eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you were accompanying him, you'd have been thinking, oh Jesus, don't say that to these Jewish people. He knew what he was doing. Sometimes he makes us uncomfortable and he'll make your friends uncomfortable and make your spouse uncomfortable and make your family uncomfortable because he says radical things. In verse 69 of this chapter you'll see Many people started off following him because he was really exciting to be around. People got healed, people got fed, people got delivered. Pompous religious leaders got their comeuppance. Quite fun. But sometimes he would take it to another level and people would go, now that's too much. And in verse 69, I believe it says, many left him. Is that right? 66, thank you. Oh yeah, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They might still think, yeah, he is the Messiah or he is the prophet. They still believed in him, but they didn't follow anymore. This is what I'm trying to bring some incision into today for us. We've perhaps all known the call of Christ on our lives. We may all be believers in him, but are we followers? And are we currently following? Um... He'd do awkward things like riling the religious leaders by purposefully healing people on the Sabbath. He'd speak with and stay with what you might call inappropriate people. The Samaritan woman, Zacchaeus the tax collector, and so on. And he'd resist even his closest friends if their good ideas clashed with his call. He said to Peter one day, get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. So he didn't let his closest friends even draw him off 
from being completely obedient to what God was calling him to. And he said, massively challenging things, like if any man would come after me, he must deny him himself. Can you see that word, self? He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So following, he's made it really clear in that quote, involves denying self and taking up the cross. Okay. Can we turn, please, to um, the letter of John, 1 John, chapter 2, and verse 5. Oh, I've got the wrong passage here. I'm so sorry. I just, this is a trouble of... Um, maybe I'm in 1 Peter 2. Let's see. No. I'll move on to the next text. Okay. This this one will do me. <laughs> what in John two, verse six? Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus said. Can you see that in first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 6? So, <clears throat> let's unfold a little bit about how we follow him. It says here that we need to walk as he did. So what do we know about how Jesus walked through life, particularly those three years of ministry? There's a very key scripture, isn't it, that it says, Jesus did nothing unless he saw the Father do it. And he said nothing unless he heard the Father say it. So Jesus actually modelled out being a follower. Who was he following? He was following his father. So every day of his ministry, he didn't just do what seemed a good idea in front of him. If we can believe the word is true, he did what he'd already seen the father doing or said whatever he heard the Father saying. He was a follower. He was a follower of the Father, and he did that. He would walk around and just address those things that he saw the Father was doing. And so, if we want to be a follower of Jesus, we need to have a similar thing. What is Jesus saying to me today? What is Jesus doing today? I want to join in with what he's doing and I want to join in with what he's saying. 
because I think it's very possible to be a church member for years and years and attend meetings and uh, give your tithe and be on the coffee rotor and know all the words of the songs and all of that and not be following Jesus daily. But be part of an organisation and have occasional blessings <laughs> and not be a daily follower of Jesus. The thing is, as I've been, uh, this is something I've been thinking about for about two years now. The thing I'm finding with my life as I'm trying to readjust from doing what I think I know is right to a daily coming to him and asking him what he's doing and saying, okay, I'd like to join in with that. <laughs> the thing that's required from me it's a whole lot of self-discipline to do that because I'm used to making it up how I want it to be. Or what I'm used to. And to do this really requires decisive action and self-discipline. Jesus had this really annoying way of making people make a decision on the spot like the rich young ruler came to him, you know, had this idea he'd like to follow him, and he made him make a decision then and there, okay, go away, sell your possessions and follow me. That's not fair! That's the way he did it. Decisive action. And... I can see a habit in me, maybe it's in you, to faff about a bit before obeying. I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm, I'm saying I see it in me to faff about a bit before obeying. But if we really look at what Jesus is like and really look about what it's like to follow him, he is very straight about the thing that stops us following. There's another time where somebody said, oh, really like what you're doing, Jesus. Can I come and follow? But first let me go and bury my father. Now, don't you think this is unreasonable? He said, let the dead bury the dead, but you follow me. Because he knew the thing in that person, which was loyalty to family. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Jesus wasn't saying a bad thing, but he was saying this is getting in the way for you. It needs to be put into a lower place. Be loyal, but put it in a lower place. If you want to follow me, I have to be Lord everything else will have to come in subjection. 
so, you know, I, I pray quite a lot for the church, for the family of God here. And I think I heard the Holy Spirit say something to me last week, which is this. It's not lack of calling. It's not lack of gifting. It's not lack of anointing that holds us back sometimes. It's lack of self-discipline. Self-discipline or self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a bad thing. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And so, let me give an example of where Jesus might have spoken about something like that. Brownie touched on this scripture early in the week. Mark chapter 4, verse 18. Is the story of the seed and the sower. And you know, he says, <clears throat> this is what the kingdom's like. Seed gets thrown onto all sorts of grounds. And you get different results according to the sort of ground it falls on. And in verse 18, he's giving an example. Still others are like seed sown among thorns. They hear the word, but the worries of this life, number one, worries. Number two, deceitfulness of wealth. Number three, this is the biggie, desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So for many of us, here in this room and in our fellowships, we've heard the call of Jesus. We've decided to follow him. We may have been baptized and we've made a good start. And then he said, you've received the word and it started to grow. But very often we then get a, a challenge come up. The pull of other things the deceitfulness of riches or worries, the worries of life being overwhelmed by the need of perhaps people around us. And these three things will take a lot of self-discipline and self-control to master. And we need to call out to the Holy Spirit to give us his version of self-control and his version of self-discipline so that we can battle and cut out those things in order to continue following and let the fruit of the word come in our lives. So Holy Spirit, show us what other things Cause me to drop back from following you closely sometimes. I want to hold on to your coattails. I want to be so close, Jesus. But reveal to our hearts this morning, reveal to my heart, the other things cause me to drop back a bit. 
be a distant admirer instead of one holding your garment, following really closely. I read an amazing quote recently that says, what captures our hearts either corrupts or consecrates us. So sometimes, you know, we've started well following him, but something very interesting has come along that's captured our hearts. What captures our hearts either corrupts or consecrates us. And so our prayer this morning is, Lord, capture our hearts again that we may be consecrated to you I'm giving you things to um, meditate on here okay to chew over you and the Lord later what or who claims my full attention what or who realistically Jesus you tell me claims my full attention. Because our ability to continue following Jesus depends on where we are looking. I'll say that again. My ability to continue following Jesus depends on where I am looking. If I've really got my eyes undividedly focused on him, I can keep following. But if they've turned away to this pressing need, or this expectation, or that demand, or that enticement, we go where we're looking. Isn't that right, Brownie, on bikes? They mustn't look at a drop-off on a bend, because if they look at it, they'll fall off it. Look where you want to go. Yeah. So, how do we know if we're still following closely our Jesus, our Saviour, our Lord? In John 15, Jesus says, If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. In other words, if you're living closely with me, abiding is living closely, then you'll bear much fruit and fruit that will last. So, here's a good spiritual check to do. What fruit am I bearing? If there's good fruit, then I'm probably following quite closely. But if I can see very little fruit, maybe I've dropped back a bit and I still love the Lord and I still want to follow him but maybe I've not been doing the daily holding closely what you want to do today, Jesus. Because if I can learn to do that daily there'll be much fruit. been challenged by this myself. I've recently started to do a new thing in my morning devotion time with the Lord when I read and I pray and I declare and and all of that. And I bless. 
my neighbours and so on. I've got one final thing now at the bottom of my journal every day that I've started to do since Jesus has been speaking to me about this. And I ask him this question, what can I do with or for you today, Jesus? And I try and discipline myself to sit still and not jump up and start on my emails or the washing or whatever it is. I try to sit still and listen. What can I do with or for you today, Jesus? I want to follow what you're doing and I want to join in with you on it. And I'm going to be really honest with you now. At first, I could hear nothing because I'm coming to the end of my devotional time and all the thoughts of all the stuff I think I've got to do is piling in on my head. I've got to get down the office. I've got to do this. So I'm trying to exercise self-control, self-discipline to say I'm not letting other things choke off the life that I really want to have with you, Jesus. And so at first, I couldn't hear very much, but at least I was asking the question. And I felt him say, that's okay, at least you're asking. And then I started to notice one or two nice little surprises slotting into the day. And after they had happened, I think, oh, that was the thing. So, I don't know, maybe a, a week into it, I had to take Josie shopping to get ready for university stuff. And we're in John Lewis Cafe. But I like John Lewis. It's my well-being place. And, and we're, we're meeting to have a coffee and see if we've got everything ticked off the list and everything. And I'm standing in this rather long queue in the cafe and Josie came up and stood with me and then a lady, quite a troubled looking lady that I'd noticed on the way in, came up to me in the queue in quite a loud voice said, I know you, don't I? And I'm thinking, oh, do you? She said, I saw you at um, this ladies meeting that I was speaking at and I, it all came back to me I remembered that this dear lady really is being overwhelmed with the most terrible challenges of an autistic son, seriously autistic, giving her all kinds of tribulation. <laughs> and that I prayed with her that day. And so she came up to me and in this loud voice started to say, oh, I've just dropped him off and I'm having this terrible time because for six weeks, he hasn't cleaned his teeth. He's got this irrational fear about cleaning his teeth. And it's really getting to me. And, and do you think he will pray with me that he will clean his teeth? And so, Josie is going, oh, Mom. And I'm thinking, Jesus. I can see this one in front of me and I know this is what you've set up for me but there's a pull because she thinks I'm a bit over the top sometimes, you see. 
sometimes you've got to say, I'm not being pulled back by what you think about me, love. Follow Jesus on this one. So, we pray, and of course, people in the queue. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Out loud. I said, okay, let's agree now. Just held hands. Hi, Deborah. Stand up. So, okay, give me your hands. In Jesus' name, we agree for a breakthrough now from this point. He's going to change his mind. Fear, go. And bless you to clean your teeth, young man. Amen. So, that was a good one. I enjoyed that. Once I got over the Josie thing. Um, then, and then there's been other lovely little things, like, oh, I realised as I asked him, what can I do with or for you, that things had gone a little bit cool in my neighbourhood. God's been moving in my neighbourhood and something hadn't happened for a while. So I asked him to give me what I call a starter for ten. You know, uh, something just to get something started again. And um, uh, and an envelope came through the door, uh, misdirected mail. And, and Phil knows this is one of the things the Holy Spirit uses with me. And I realised that it was for a neighbour, but it's a neighbour that I've never met yet. And so it gave me a wonderful opportunity, instead of just going and shoving it through her letterbox to find a time when I could see the car and knock on the door and say hi. And, and I won't go into it all, but she's invited me in for coffee now. And so we can start this connection. It comes from, what can I do with or for you today? There was another one that is eluding my memory, but time's going on. But that little, oh yeah. This week, this week, there was one. Um, Before I started doing this, I'd have gone, KLS, 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 we're doing KLS. That is what I'm doing this week, KLS. But having the self-control, the self-discipline, the fruit of the Spirit, I said to the Lord, what would you like me to do with or for you today? Couldn't hear anything, but then a few minutes later, as I was going down the stairs, the thought popped in, send my other neighbour a text. Send her a text. Just ask her how she's doing. Some of you know the story of this. It's um, quite an amazing thing God's doing with this other neighbour. And I got an immediate response saying, how wonderful that you would text me today. It's my birthday, and I had no idea. I hadn't been on Facebook, and I didn't know. And I rejoice because she said to me that in her very tough journey that she's going through with a child with leukemia, that it's amazing how the messages come at exactly the key moment. And so the reason I'm rejoicing about it was her birthday is I think it's another one in the track record for her of God is on my case. He knows about me. And this is not a coincidence when this strange woman sends me a message. Okay. So I think that's enough on there. But I commend that to you to think about doing. What can I do? with or for you today. So, 
what can we do if we realise that maybe we've never started or have fallen back a little bit from daily following? Do you get what I mean now by daily following rather than I'm just a general follower of Jesus? Peter, one of those disciples that he initially gave that call of follow me, you know, he was really keen to follow, wasn't he? He said, I'll even die for you. I mean, that's pretty keen. But even the keenest of disciples sometimes fall back. He had his moment, didn't he? Where he got ashamed by a servant woman, servant girl. Isn't it silly? Sometimes it's the silliest things that make us disconnect and fall back for a bit. And maybe throw in the towel even. So let's look at how Jesus helped him to reconnect to be a close follower. In John chapter 21, um, starting at verse 15, we've got the story of how after Jesus has died and been resurrected and after Peter's had his big flunk, Jesus meets him on a beach when he's been fishing. And he, Peter realises it's the Lord. And he comes to the beach and there's this barbecue ready. And it, he was probably half of him really excited and the other half really ashamed. And Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you tr- truly love me more than these? Do you truly love me more than these? And I've heard people um, teaching on, you know, what does these mean? These other disciples? These fish? your job I'm really glad it doesn't actually say specifically what that means because it means that as Jesus disciples we can insert what's relevant for us there our dependent relatives our friends my hobbies my ambitions, my musical instrument, whatever it is. Do you love me more than these, he said. This is part of the journey back into a tight reconnection with Jesus. This is the first step. These is like the other things in the parable of the seed and the sower, all right? Do you love me more than these? Is the first question. And that's something that we have to settle in our hearts to go deeper and get that close connection, true following back. 
And he answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And I think we do, don't we? We love him. Jesus then said, feed my lambs. But then it gets awkward because he says the same question again, more or less. Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? So we said, yes, we love you. But now he's saying, do you truly love me? Taking it to another level, isn't it? And he looks inside his heart. Maybe you're looking inside your heart this morning. And he's able to say, yes, Lord, you know that I truly love you. Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time. Now, many of us now understand why he asked three times, don't we? Because of the three denials. But, you know, I think he's hammering at home with him. Uh, And I know I'm a different kind of a speaker than we've had so far, but I'm trying to hammer this home with us today so we can settle it in our hearts. He asked a third time, do you love me? And he replies, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus knew already that Simon Peter did really love him. He knew that already. He's asking them the question for his benefit, Simon Peter's benefit, not Jesus' benefit, because he can see in our hearts straight away anyway. So maybe he's asking it for your benefit today. Do you love me more than these? More than these other things? I'm giving you a chance this morning to say, Yes, Lord, I truly love you. And I'm going to, with the help of the Holy Spirit, exercise self-discipline and self-control to put into the right places the these the other things that maybe have limited my fruitfulness in following you because I reckon every day those disciples followed Jesus around there was fruit Every day. Of some kind. Every day. And we need to change our mindset from it's okay if I lead somebody to the Lord once in ten years. (laughs) Or I pray for somebody to be healed once in a month. Or, you know, to every day. Now is the time. The kingdom is at hand right now and if I'm holding tight to the coattails of Jesus every day, fruit can happen of some sort or other. And to not be content with a day not following him. If you see what I mean, I might have got my words in the muddle there. So, okay. So what do we do if we've realised that that little connection has been broken. We settle that we love him more than these. 
And when we've settled it with him, because he knows our hearts, he knows it's transparent, he knows, we then just pick up from where we left off and start again. Because that's what Jesus did with Peter. He immediately commissioned him, okay, feed my sheep, get on with it then. Start doing the stuff. So where do we find the ability to keep following? Because, as I said, it's not always easy. And as we've looked in the scriptures, Jesus doesn't always make it easy for us. And I was really praying about this because I wanted to finish on something a bit more encouraging and upbuilding and enthusing for you because we've all fallen a bit quiet now. Um, And this is the scripture he gave me. So please, if you have your Bible there, look this up. And I, I really want you to take hold of this because it will strengthen us to have the ability the ability to follow him, the enabling grace to follow him. And it's found in the letter of Peter, funnily enough, the same guy, to Peter, chapter 1, between verses 3 and 10. This is what the Peter who followed Jesus three years had a flunk out, got reinstated and then went on to feed Jesus' lambs and Jesus' feet, says to us. Starting in verse 3, he says, His or God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we start with good news. His power is giving us everything we need to do this. But let's unpack it a bit more. Verse 4. Through these, that's his glory and goodness, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Alright, notice that. He's given us promises. I'm going to put that up here. He's given us promises. So, the power we need, the enabling grace we need, comes first in promise form. So we need to know the promises of God. Because the promises of God to you and me as his disciple will give us the enabling power to keep hold of him and to do what he asks us to do. Let's look again, these very great and precious promises, so that through them, through those promises, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world and the evil desires. So that you can participate in divine nature through these promises. What follows then is a description of the divine nature. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, 
uh, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, there we go, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, here's a fantastic promise. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. They'll keep you from being unfruitful or a distant follower in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if I understand this passage rightly, Peter's saying, get hold of the promises of God because through them you'll be able to access divine nature the divine nature of God which we'll need to have if we're going to walk as Jesus walked so um, who's a fast writer who's a fast writer Avril you're a fast writer can we rack our brains now and call out some of the promises some of these great promises of God just some examples Avril can scribble up on the board because some of them are going to help you today access the divine nature, draw close to Jesus and do what he's going to be asking you to do. So, let's hear what promises you can think of. Look it up. Hang on before you write it, because I want. Yeah, we'll we'll come to that in a minute, Deborah. Because check it's a promise. Check it's a promise. It might be. I've just yet to be convinced. Find a promise. I have I have plans for you to give you hope in the future. That's a promise. Yeah, we're going to have that one. He promises us freedom. Uh, whereabouts have you found that, Jerry? <laughs> it's all right. Take your time. Yes. Yep. Greater works. That was the first one that came to my mind. I will be with you always. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's at the end of Matthew, isn't it? That's a declaration and a promise. Hilary? My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. I like that one. Chris? It will... It will go well with you. Here's a promise. My grace is sufficient for you. Who else had their hand up? Yes, Lydia. Yes. He will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory. Yes. 
I'm so glad you brought that up. I will send you another comforter, one just like me, a counsellor. He will lead you into all truth. So we have the promise of the Holy Spirit and the promise of being led into truth. And, and we need both of those things to stay really holding on close to the coattails of Jesus. And I, the reason I said I'm glad you mentioned that, Dave, is that I think maybe the Holy Spirit whispered to me this morning that there may be one or two present this morning who are not entirely sure whether they've fully received the gift of the Holy Spirit. They know that they're a believer. They know that they've had that seal of the Holy Spirit. He's come to live inside of them. But they may not know the baptism, the overwhelming, the equipping, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. They may not know that they've received gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he promises, here's a promise, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to him who asks? So this morning... Is a moment for you. We'll break and pray any moment now. And if you're not sure that you have received that gift of the Holy Spirit in the measure that I'm describing, come and receive him now because we can't do the following without him. Because we can't do it in our own strength. We need the supernatural enabling power to receive the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, to fight off the other things and then do what he asks us to do with boldness and confidence and joy. So we've got a few of them up there. So what this Peter is telling us is, get a hold of a promise that is relevant to you and through that promise you will access the divine nature believe the promise take the promise step out on the promise and he will release to us these things faith goodness self-control knowledge perseverance godliness brotherly kindness love that's the stuff we need to be a true disciple isn't it the divine nature to be a true disciple, to look like him, to walk as Jesus walked, to do the stuff. So my good news for you today is you can access it through the promise. Take the promise that's relevant to your situation where you see maybe you're battling to fight off an other thing or where a these has got in the way. And he will release to you through that promise supernatural ability to love. Supernatural ability to know what the right thing is to do and so on. So thank you for listening. I think I'm finished now. Um, thanks, Avril, for writing those up. Oh, here's some other promises. For God, with God, nothing is impossible. He who comes to me will never hunger or believes in me will never thirst. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. You will know the way to go. 
seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. These are just some of the promises. Okay, so shall we stand and pray? Is lunch ready? Okay, let's take five minutes to pray. If you could tell the kitchen five minutes, please, that would be lovely. Impossible. Cross it out. I'm possible. Brilliant. Holy Spirit, just draw near to us now. We want to be honest before you. Just feel to invite. If anybody wants to come and pray something, on behalf of us to the Father about the other things about the these and you're very welcome to come up and pray now just to stand as a representative of us it doesn't have to be me that prays Yes, Father God, I I was just, as I was driving here this morning, your call on my life at the age of seven was was brought to mind, and I was just repenting and repenting for the years that have drifted past, and I have not walked as closely with you as I know that you want me to walk with you. And Lord, I believe that you've forgiven me because... The moment we we repent, you forgive, and I just praise you and I bless you, and you are the God of new beginnings. And right here, right now, we can make a new start with you, because you delight to do that. So I just thank you and praise you, Heavenly Lord, that that you're smiling on us, You're, you're drawing us into your everlasting loving arms, and that you have got great things in store for those who want to walk with Jesus. Amen. So here's your moment to respond to the Lord now. As you perhaps have repented in your own heart where you've seen other things get in the way. And now Jesus is speaking to you as his disciple. And he says, Do you love me more than these? What are you going to say to him? Say it out loud. Tell him that you love him. And he says, do you truly love me? Respond to him. And he says, do you love me? We give ourselves to you afresh this morning, wonderful Jesus. We thank you for your great promises, which are the vehicle for us to find the grace, to find the enabling power to keep hold of you. 
I bless everyone here today to enjoy daily following of you. Thank you that in a moment our past failures are washed away now and you commission us right here and now. Now go and feed my sheep. And we say, Lord, we will. We will. We will.